When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Steelers faithful, we are back for another week of Steeler talk on the one and only sick podcast, Steeler Crazy. I'm Jay York Football. This is Mike Up Sports One. We have a very special guest, Mr. Chad Brown. Five seasons for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know he has a lot of stories about those Blitzburg days, so let's get to it, Sammy. Turn up your volume. Your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Steelers Crazy. Harris Smith Shields. Blacko Polamalu takes it home. Super Bowl 43. Pittsburgh might be bound for that thanks to number 43. The sickest Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Yeah, before we bring in our special guest, Jordan, I want to mention something extremely important. We have partnered with the great folks over at ShopYins with two Z's.com. Yes. You see it right there. They're the number one brand for Pittsburgh sports. Jordan, you and I just spent some time in Arizona. We were watching a Pirates game. We looked at each other and we said the same damn thing. We said, there is nobody who reps Pittsburgh gear on the road when they're traveling like Yinzers. You see it in every airport. I see it in Jamaica. I see it in Europe. So make sure you check out shopyins.com. Use our promo code 615, 615 for 15% off your entire purchase. No minimum purchase necessary. Go on and get yourself a t-shirt. Steeler season is coming up. So it's a great transition for us. Right into our next guest. I mentioned this guy is an absolute legend. The black and gold played for the Steelers from 93 to 96 and then back in 2006. All pro, pro bowler. You know the resume. It's none other than Chad Brown. Hey, Chad. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. We're excellent. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. You're in Denver still, right? Currently, I'm in Denver. Yeah, I split time between Denver and Arizona. Gotcha. We're, we're just, in we're just out. Yeah, we're just out in Scottsdale for Pirates Diamondbacks. It's a little warm in Arizona. Yeah. It is a little warm. That's why I split time, so I can avoid the <laughs> yeah. cold weather here in Denver. And when it, Once it gets too hot in Arizona, then I can come back out here to Denver. I hear you. 114 degrees we had to deal with. So uh, we yeah. spent a lot of time in the pool. Hey, before we get into all this good stuff, we learned your birthday was yesterday. Are you, are you doing any fun? Happy birthday. Uh, Happy belated. Unfortunately, uh, thank you very much. I'm 53 years old. So, uh, wow, things like father time is just continuing to march on. Uh, I drove from Arizona to Denver. We were supposed to do it a couple of days ago. We had uh, some roof issues that need to be taken care of. Uh, there's a couple of weather phenomenons in the Scottsdale, Phoenix area, the heat, which you guys experience, but there's also a time in the summer called the monsoon rains. So if we didn't get these roof issues fixed before the rains came, I would have had leaks all in my house. I had to take care of that. So I, I spent my birthday driving my wife and dog from Phoenix to Denver last night. It was a blast. <laughs> wow. Good bonding you know. time, at least. What was that? Good bonding time, at least. For sure. <laughs> no offense, but 
Definitely not the most exciting birthday uh, uh, of all time. Uh, I'm sure. I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> that fifties yeah. mid fifties birthday, I guess. Yeah, we'll make up for it. We'll have some fun this weekend. There you go. Good to hear. We're having some fun today. We're excited to have you on. Let's get into some Pittsburgh Steelers talk and, of course, just some NFL talk in general. NFL draft happened, you know, still fresh on everybody's minds a couple months back. Uh, obviously, a significant moment for uh, all, all 32 teams. You're somebody that was a second-round pick, Chad. I read a lot of, uh, about the journey for you and kind of the process and the pressure you felt on your shoulders as a second-round pick. Can you kind of elaborate on that? And I know you had some real highs and real lows in regard to that. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a difficult process to make that transition from college football to the NFL and to come to a place like Pittsburgh where expectations are obviously incredibly high and to play linebacker there where expectations are even higher than maybe for other spots on that roster. You're walking into a position room where there are literally some of the all-time greatest to ever play the game. And so now to be a part of that brotherhood is incredibly special. But as you pointed out, there's a lot of pressure that, that, that comes with that. So when I came in my rookie year, Jerry Osowski uh, was the uh, inside linebacker who was in front of me. And I initially started off as kind of a special team and edge player, a guy on third down while I would rush the quarterback. And I figured, you know, that's enough for me to chew my, 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 my rookie year. That's a, that's a big enough bite for me to handle. And to be perfectly honest, I was not uh, quite professional enough in my approach. And so I continued to kind of coast through the inside linebacker responsibilities uh, early on in my rookie year, just knowing I had special teams to take care of. I was going to play on third down, but that inside linebacker stuff, Jerry O's got that. Well, game six of my rookie year, we were playing Cleveland. Jerry O gets a foot caught in that awful, awful grass in there, and Cleveland ends up tearing his ACL. So I'm on the sideline, you know, starting to get warmed up and get ready. And then I see Coach Cower with his arm around Reggie Barnes, talking to Reggie Barnes. Reggie Barnes was the undrafted linebacker from Oklahoma. I was obviously familiar with Reggie. He and I played in the Big Eight together. I was at Colorado. He was at Oklahoma. So I knew Reggie was a good player. Um, and obviously we're, we shared that same linebacker room. I knew as an undrafted guy, he had a little bit more of a fire underneath him for that inside linebacker stuff. So he was, frankly, looking back, just better prepared, um, better focused, better practices than I had at that position. So he, in hindsight, deserved to go in the game at that moment. But it certainly lit a fire in me to see him go in there and, and play and finish out that ball game. And so the next day on Monday, I walk into Marvin Lewis's office, my linebacker coach, and I pound my fist, my fist on his desk. I've heard him tell this story so many times. I don't, looking back, I don't think I was quite that bold as a 22-year-old kid, but apparently I pounded my fist on his desk and said, damn it, Marv, I'm a football player, and I'm going to be on that field. So uh, from that point on, I didn't look back for the next 12 seasons as an NFL player I started every single game that I played in. So that moment was a critical moment for me to learn to be professional and learn that, yes, you may not be part of the game plan at this position, but it is your responsibility to know the calls, know the checks, be prepared to go in the game on a moment's notice. So I never forgot that lesson. I'm happy it happened early enough in my rookie year. I went on to you know, start at inside linebacker after Jerry O was hurt. Uh, started the rest of the season, ended up making the Steelers Rookie of the Year that year. So 
it all ended up good, but it was a tremendous lesson for me that was critically important for me to have the success I had in the rest of my career. Chad, obviously you talk about professional growth, and I think it's a lot easier when you have the linebackers you were surrounded by in black and gold. We all know the Blitzburg defense by now. At least you're better if you're watching the sick podcast. It was crazy. Uh, LeVon Kirkland, of course, the late great Kevin Green. Uh, yourself, Chad, and Greg Lloyd. What did you learn from these guys, not just on the football field, but off the field as well? Man, um, I don't think I played 15 years in the NFL without being a part of that particular group. And when I think of that group, you mentioned the, the, the four guys, but also I think you got to mention Marvin Lewis as well. Marvin Lewis was very instrumental, at least in my and LaVon's development. Greg and Kevin were already, you know, towards the tops of leagues at their individual skill sets by that point. Um, but Marvin certainly took uh, LaVon and I aside and, and gave us a lot of extra work to do to try to play with those guys. But it was, in fact, it was a perfect situation to be in the room with those guys. You got Greg Lloyd, who literally at that time was the baddest man in football. Whatever he is, 10th degree, 12th degree, 27th degree, Taekwondo, black belt. Um, you know, I wasn't hired for my disposition shirt, which was an actual fact, because that's the way he carried himself. And a uh, quick Greg Lloyd story. We were in my rookie year of training camp. And back then, there were no CBA limits as far as amount of padded practices and all those kind of things. So I, I believe we did two a days in pads, both practices. So for two weeks, so 14 days of two a days, 28 practices in pads. So it was somewhere in that second week where, you know, I didn't show up ready to go. And we were doing a linebacker on linebacker drill and I happened to get paired up with Greg and he sensed my uh, lack of uh, motivation there early and he absolutely blasted me, knocked my helmet off. My chin strap went flying. I still have my mouthpiece in my mouth. That was the only thing that stayed on my head uh, after this hit by Greg. And he, he towers over me in a very Greg Lloyd kind of way. We come to practice every day, rookie. Every day. Every practice. Okay. Got it. Lesson learned. Thank you very much. So my rookie year was one of, of many lessons. And that was the lesson from Greg Lloyd. Um so Greg's level of expectation for his teammates, his level of personal physicality and how he practiced raised everyone else's level. We had to try to meet Greg there. Uh, Kevin Green was an, a, a technician. I think Kevin Green's one of the greatest players in NFL history, but he was not one of the greatest athletes in NFL history. He maximized what he had to walk on to Auburn and play there. You know, wasn't drafted in the first round. Um, but to hone in your technique as well as Greg did, I'm not sorry, as well as Kevin did, and really dial in the specific techniques that allowed him to be successful to the tune of 160 sacks in 15 seasons, um, absolutely remarkable. So I tried to take his approach. I tried to steal everything from, um, from a little something from everybody. From Greg, let me take your anger and your aggression, your physicality. From Kevin, let me take your you know, your, 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 your techniques and your knowledge of the game. And as far as me and LaVon, we were both young players competing against each other, but also trying to compete with Greg and Kevin. Uh, and then we had Marvin Lewis there to guide us and give us the extra work when we needed it and give us the arm around the shoulder when we needed that as well, because 
you know, when you're, you're a young football player, there's going to be ups and downs. And if you're going to look at that Pittsburgh Steelers defense at that time as an opposing offensive coordinator, you're going to attack Rod Woodson? Probably not. You're going to attack Carnell Lake? Probably not. You're going to go after the outside linebackers? Probably not. If we're going to take your attack, you're going to focus on these two young guys in the middle. So LeVon and I kind of have a, a baptism by fire to be able to achieve the standards of that defense and play well. Yeah, a lot of people, our generation and our age, when they think of Marvin Lewis, think of Cincinnati Bengals, right? They automatically uh, connect those dots. But a lot of people forget or don't necessarily know the influence he had on you guys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got to mention, first of all, no wonder you're a radio host and broadcaster. That impression uh, of Greg Lloyd, man, that, that was good stuff. That's that was be a some great fire clip. stuff right there. That was some fire stuff. Why the, why the heck isn't this man in the Hall of Fame? Give me the, give me the campaign right now. I don't quite understand that. You know, I think when we are looking at the Hall of Fame, can you discuss or write about that era of football without mentioning that guy? So that era of football was certainly defined by our zone blitz, our Blitzburg style of defense. And of the you know, one of the most central components to that was Greg Lloyd. To be an outside linebacker, then to slide inside and play inside linebacker, which was great move by Bill Cower, Greg was certainly a talented pass rusher, but to be a, a third down guy over the course of a season at 220 pounds, he just simply wasn't a big enough man to deal with those really big offensive tackles on third down. So I slid from inside linebacker to, to the edge and he moved to inside, which gave him a chance to control the entire field. So now if you are going to throw the ball on third down, there was a chance that Kevin Green or Chad Brown were going to hit your quarterback but if you threw the ball to you to a receiver or to a back in the middle of the field, there was a chance that Greg Lloyd was going to knock his block absolutely off. So uh, the threat to opposing offenses was certainly there. And I think it's absolutely criminal that Greg Lloyd has not been inducted to the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, his influence upon generations of Pittsburgh Steeler players uh, is still felt to this day. There you go. I think that's the speech you need to – <laughs> write a letter right there or just send them send them this uh podcast episode all all great stuff so while we're all along the lines of the hall of fame coach cower recently inducted just just talk about that man for us love bill cower absolutely love bill cower as a former nfl linebacker and special teamer himself i think he had a certain uh connection to the linebackers so while bill cower certainly tried to coach the entire team um, his connection to the linebackers and his comfort coaching that position was clear and, and evident. So I always felt like I had a, another coach other than Marvin Lewis when I was getting ready to play and watching practice. Uh, and then Bill Cowher was an incredibly steady presence to come back to Pittsburgh in year 14 in my career, 10 years after I left to go to Seattle after year four of my career and to walk into that meeting room and to see Bill Cowher do the same thing he did for the first four years of my career, walk into that uh, morning meeting, open up his notebook, and he would have notes specific for that particular day. And he would reference his old notebooks, maybe a couple of years ago, that same time of year, maybe the team was experiencing something similar. Uh, he would reference his old notebooks if we we're going to play the Cincinnati Bengals and be able to reference something about the particular Bengals team or the rivalry or the history of that. So the steady presence that he provided um, was what that team needed. Now, he was not a super rule stickler, 
Uh, Eric Green, a lot of folks will remember him, tight end of my era, one of the more physically talented tight ends maybe to ever play the game, 285-pound guy who could run really well. Um, Eric had this thing where he liked to wear red tights out to practice. <laughs> red is not anywhere near in, in the Steeler colors. But Bill Cowher recognized, I got bigger fish to fry than demand this guy, you know, with this really large backside <laughs> and these red tights somehow wear some something else to practice. So that kind of stuff didn't matter. There's probably some pictures still floating around of Kevin and Greg wearing these striped yellow and black tights to practice. <laughs> that kind of stuff, be an individual be a part of this team, but be your own individual self. As long as you show up to practice hard, prepare in the meetings and play great in the games, I'm not going to have a lot of issue with any some, some of this other stuff. So Bill Cowher really struck the balance between creating a loose, fun atmosphere, but also being incredibly demanding with the football aspect of things. Just like I tell a lot of the current Steelers that we have on our show, the Tomlin stories never get old and the Cower stories never really get old. So uh, it's just awesome just to have, you know, someone, the, the Blitzberg himself on the uh, Steelers Crazy Sick podcast. So make sure you check us out and subscribe down there. Um, before I throw it back over to Mike, I had another question. I didn't want to bring up a sore subject, the, you know, 96 Super Bowl. But how was it playing in the Super Bowl, let alone, you know, the build up? Um, just just all of that. I, I was I was young, but I, I vaguely remember. And obviously I went back and watched it. But uh, it, it was uh, you're in it. It's tough. It's tough um, to this day. The week before the Super Bowl, NFL Network always has those 30 minute shows where they recap previous Super Bowls. If I happen to catch that Super Bowl being shown, I typically sit down no matter what I'm doing and I get locked into it. And there's this weird part of me that still expects us to find a way to win. Um, because when you, win the, when you win the AFC championship game, you don't go, oh, you know, we're going to play in the Super Bowl and maybe we'll win. Maybe we'll find a way to get this done. You win the AFC championship and you're already thinking about winning this game. So it took me almost 10 years after losing that game to get over the loss because for those 10 years when I was still struggling with it, I kept telling myself, I would have rather not gone at all than to go and lose um, because it just hurt so bad. And I won 32 games in a row in high school, back-to-back, you know, state championships in the state of California. I won a national championship at the University of Colorado. So winning is just kind of what's I, what I've done. When I've lined up and played football, I've been incredibly lucky to be on these great teams. Even back in Pop Warner, we were one of the best teams in Southern California. Well, we had like five guys who played in the NFL, so no, no mysteries why we were so good. But after all that success to get to the ultimate, the pinnacle of you know professional football and to lose that game, it stung. It hurt really bad. And so I stood there at the edge. I was at the very edge of the end zone, and I watched the Cowboys celebrate. They brought out the podiums. They brought out the confetti cannons, and I – And I watched him celebrate for as long as I could before one of our security guys pulled me into the locker room. And I get in the locker room and, you know, Kevin's number close to my number. So our lockers are very close to each other. Kevin is on the ground ground crying. This grown man, this bad dude, this Hall of Fame football player is on the ground crying. And so I vowed that I was going to find a way to to get back there and to, to win it. And I chased that ring and I chased that trophy for the rest of my career, I was unable to do it. So my 
my first opportunity to win a quote unquote Super Bowl was coaching my my son's Pop Warner teams uh, quite a while after I retired. And we got that. And the kids were asking me while I was crying. And I was like, because I've wanted this my entire life. And I finally have a chance to win a Super Bowl. And so this is why well, I was better than your kid. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get a Gatorade bath? Uh, I did not. I did not. It was, uh, it was December. So, uh, in Colorado, I'm happy I didn't get a Gatorade bath. <laughs> I wasn't that, you know, it was Pop Warner. There was no locker room to go to and there was no change of clothes from the equipment guy. I would have a very, very sticky, cold drive home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm happy they didn't. Fair enough. We are rounding out here with Chad Brown on the sick podcast Steelers crazy brought to you, of course, by shop yins. That's two Z's shop. Y and Z Z. Dot com absolutely awesome yinzer year make sure you check it out 15 percent off uh, of course by using our discount code sick 15 chad I, I gotta ask you about 97 the business kind of gets in the way of things naturally uh you head to seattle talk to me about the lifestyle changes a little bit and then in terms of the fan base i'm not asking you to to crap on seattle fans but I know it was a little different, at least back in '97, probably than it is today. All right, so this is a this is gonna gonna be a big answer here because I, I can't address the move to Seattle without addressing some of the free agent conversation and all that went into that. You know, just to be 100% clear, I did not I did not want to leave Pittsburgh. My agent had started talking with them, uh, you know probably during training camp of my, of year four. So trying to have that conversation going and at that time during training camp, I was playing inside linebacker and Greg Lloyd was outside linebacker. And the conversation was tuned around that. Well, then Greg Lloyd goes down with the ACL injury game one against Jacksonville. I moved to outside linebacker, lead the team in sacks, 13 and a half sacks. I'm some people's defensive player of the year, pro bowl, all pro, all that kind of stuff. So from a Steeler perspective, from a budgeting perspective, and when they were planning on bringing me back, they were budgeting me as an inside linebacker and as a guy who was, you know, on the ascension, but not some people's defensive player of the year as an outside linebacker. So from a budget perspective, that threw things into a weird space. They had signed Greg to what was a pretty big dollar deal just a year before. So they had a lot of money budgeted already to, to Greg Lloyd at that position. And what were, where was Greg going to play? If I was going to come back, then where was Greg going to play? They had Jason Gilden, who they had drafted, and I think picked up in the second round out of Oklahoma State a year or two before, who was now on the field playing considerable minutes. So it was a lot of circumstances that were unexpected that kind of drove me, unfortunately, out of Pittsburgh. Jerome Bettis was also a free agent at the same time that I was. He and I had the same agent. And my agent was definitely going to go for the top dollar for Jerome and for myself. Both of us deserve top dollar, but the Steelers can only do so much. Let's not forget the Steelers were still in Three Rivers Stadium, where there was not all the luxury suites and all those things that a lot of ownership had to kind of fill their cash coffers to be able to pay these free agent deals. So there were just circumstances that were impossible to overcome with that. But I wanted to be clear, I definitely wanted to remain a Pittsburgh Steeler. But to your question specifically, uh, to go out to Seattle was a very, very tough transition. We lost the first two games of that year, and I felt like the entire weight of the world was on my shoulders. 
um, there was conversations about the Seahawks leaving Seattle and going to L.A. In fact, they had spent some time in that offseason practicing in L.A. So Paul Allen's ownership was not really solidified at that point. And was he going to buy the team? What was he going to do with the team? Um, but obviously the thought was if we if, if we play well, and that'll get some more dollars for funding and Seattle and stadiums, this, that, and the other. And I just thought, I'm just one dude trying to sack a quarterback and make some tackles. And suddenly the fate of the franchise is on my shoulders and how incredibly unfair that felt. Uh, and then to go to your question about the, the fan base, uh, the Seahawks fans have been incredibly awesome. Um, and everybody knows about the 12s and how loud that stadium is up there and all that. Um, but there's a difference because in Pittsburgh, kids are almost indoctrinated, feels like maybe an odd word to use, but they're really indoctrinated to becoming Pittsburgh Steelers fans. You sleep on Steeler sheets. Your mom wipes your face with a Steeler bib. You know, at some point in your young life, uh, when you go out for Halloween, you're your favorite Steeler player. The fabric of the team and the city are just so tightly interwoven, you can never separate them. So no diss to these Seattle Seahawks fans because they're absolutely incredible, particularly for those eight years when I were there, when we didn't have a single playoff win to show for it. Um, they were faithful and they were loyal and they were all about it. But the Steeler fans and their just undeniable connection that could never, ever, under any circumstance, ever be severed with that team. Uh, I don't think there's another fan base that's quite like that. And then one more little quick story before uh, about this, this Seattle topic. So we play our first game, home game, in Seattle. And my wife is in the wives area talking with all the other wives. And some of the wives ask her, oh, where are you guys going to go to dinner after the game? And Kristen says, we, we lost. Chad's not going to want to go anywhere. He's going to want to go home. He's not going to want to. He's going to be upset. And they're like, oh, you guys got to get over that. We lose all the time here. And so it took a long time to raise the level of expectations that I had in Pittsburgh where every single time I stepped on the field, not only did I expect to win, not only did the wives expect to win, but everybody expected to win. There were far too many games in those first eight years in Seattle where I went on the field where I knew not all my teammates expected to win. So the cultural shift from Pittsburgh to Seattle was also a tremendous transition as well. Well said, no question about it. We're going to get you out of here. One last thing. We haven't talked current football at all. I'm sure you're still watching Steelers from afar. Obviously, you're out there doing some radio and broadcasting work in Denver. Russell Wilson, what, what is going on? Are the Broncos going to bounce back uh, th this year, Chad? Sean Payton certainly will help. I think the offense will be better. But I saw a decline physically in Russell Wilson last year. Certainly the Nathaniel Hackett head coach, play caller experience did not go well. The offense was not put in a position to be successful. But I saw Russell Wilson not be able to escape the pocket the same way he did in Seattle. I saw a lot of his deep throws fall short, didn't seem to have the same leg strength that he had in Seattle. So uh, I saw a guy on the decline. And as a, a player who played till he was 37 years old in the NFL, once that decline starts, there's no way to jump into the hot tub time machine and get it back. You can modify. You can change some of the things that you do. You can change how you try to play. But you can't recapture your physical prowess that you had three or four or five years ago. That's just gone forever. So I'm concerned about Russell Wilson 
ever getting back to what we expected he would be here in Denver based on what we saw in Seattle. I think he'll be better because of Sean Payton. I think the offense will be much more cohesive and there'll be plays called that suit the actual skill set of the players. But Russell Wilson uh, three or four years ago, uh, I think that's gone. His last 29 games, he is 10 and 19. So that's wow. he's on the way wrong side of the, the win-loss record. So uh, I think, again, things will be better. Maybe not uh, you know, that far of a drastic win-loss record, uh, but I don't see them reaching the summit with Russell Wilson uh, as quarterback based on what I saw last year. Give me a quick answer here. You're starting a franchise from scratch. You could take one quarterback for the next two years. You're taking Russell Wilson or the Steelers' Kenny Pickett? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, so as a rookie, you typically make your biggest leap of improvement from year one to year two. The quarterback position is a little different because that means every defensive coordinator that's going to be on your schedule has had an entire offseason to dissect the things you do well, the things you make you uncomfortable, the some of the self-inflicted wounds that you do to yourself. So uh, is he going to be that rookie to second-year player who makes that massive leap of improvement? Or is he going to be that quarterback that sometimes gets – play in his rookie year and then never really progresses and defensive coordinators figure out all the weaknesses in his game. So that's the biggest question for me about Kenny Pickett. How does he deal with this offseason? How has he dealt with this offseason? Because we're getting really close to training camp here. And can he make that big leap forward? Uh, I guess to answer your question specifically with the all the unknown about Kenny Pickett, I think as an NFL GM, I unfortunately would probably be fired if I went with Kenny Pickett over Russell Wilson because the thought is Russell Wilson is closer to recapturing that than Kenny Pickett is to being, say, a future All-Pro currently. This guy's hedging his bets. Smart. He knows where he <laughs> lived. He knows who butters the bread. Chad Brown. An That's what I was player. doing, putting it in. Yeah, put, Hey, thanks for being so thoughtful with us. Thanks for giving us some of your time. This guy's an All-Pro on and off the field as well. And in the broadcast booth, if you're out there in Denver, make sure – uh, you, you listen thank to Chad you. whenever he is on. Chad, thank you so much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's always a Black Talk Steeler football. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Take care. All right, Jordan. We'll jump out of here, of course, and let everybody know once more that we're sponsored by Shopians 2Zs. Make sure everybody checks that out. Awesome, awesome time with Chad Brown. Really exciting stuff here on the Sick Podcast. Steelers crazy. Make sure you're following us. Catch up on all the latest episodes. We'll see you next time. You never know what you're going to get, Sammy. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast Steelers Crazy on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.